You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. Manning, timing route, looking, end zone, it's caught, Roger Lewis, touchdown Giants. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan. I am the football Grump. And with me, as always, is Mike, the Cranky Fan. This is the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. We know it's the best damn podcast, Grump. We're going to leave it at that for right now. So <laughs> they, they have not earned the status of best damn football team, and we probably won't see that for quite a while. But we will uh, we will soldier on. Um, one thing I want to say, Grump, I just did a nice 600-mile drive today, and I stopped in Canton, Ohio, and saw the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And it's, you know, you're seeing the best of the best in history. And now we have to talk about the Giants. It's really going from the penthouse to the outhouse pretty quickly. <laughs> I'm sure you've seen plenty of good Giants in Canton. Not so much uh, on Monday, where the Giants will be playing in Mercedes-Benz Stadium at 8.15 against the Atlanta Falcons on Monday Night Football. Um, two very bad teams, really. Another road? Yeah, uh, the Grump and I will be making yet another road trip. We don't know why we're doing it, but we are doing it. <laughs> and, you know, we have had, it'll be, what, 10 days we've had off from the Thursday to the Monday. Mm. This has not been the cleanest bye week. I mean, we've had a lot of distractions on this team. You know, the the, the Beckham thing flared up. You know, Mayor had things to say about it. Uh, you know, we don't know what the the tenor is in the locker room, how the team is responding, you know, to the one and five start as well. Um, the Eli thing is, you know, we don't know what that's doing in the locker room right now. Uh, you know, the external noise is absolutely out there. We've already discussed what we thought about, you know, how we handle the quarterback situation, but you know, for whatever blame, for whatever reason, if the pork play continues, it's something that has to be, dealt with the rest of this season and yeah. i don't know you know who are the leaders on this team to kind of oh poor rosen <laughs> it really doesn't matter i th- my my take on this kind of negative publicity thing is that it only really happens to losing teams the reason nobody yeah. cares when brady throws a shit fit on the sideline is because they're winning the Boston yeah. fans truly don't care. They don't. Yeah. 100% of New England fans don't care when he acts like a child on the sideline because they win. And when your home fan base unanimously doesn't care, the nation doesn't care. They care yeah. in as much as they care about everything else that they scroll through on their Twitter feed. Odell Beckham can be a diva to 31 other teams, but if the 100% of the Giants fan base doesn't care, it's because the Giants are 15-1. and one. Right. Um, right now, it's about 50-50 on whether people care. Maybe even 60-40. Uh, and these negative, you know, these negative stories, John Mara sounding like an idiot, you know, is Eli done? How bad is he? Is he going to retire? Does he know how bad he is? Is he going to accept any blame? Odell Beckham doesn't even want to be in this city. These things don't happen when you're winning. These interv- ESPN doesn't even want this interview with Odell Beckham if the Giants are winning. So well, I mean, you know, guys like T.O. were on winning teams, and they were always the lightning rod for the sit-down interview and the four days of discussion after. I think T.O. was genuinely stupid, though. I don't think "stupid" is the right word. 
Um, you know, I guess we're, we're going to veer into this Beckham you know, story now, but I just think he has little self-awareness. I think he was put on a pedestal so early by the New York media, the New York fans, that he feels that he's you know, impenetrable to bad publicity. And he, you know, he welcomes all publicity. He just doesn't know what's bad. I mean, that interview, having what's his name sitting next to him, you could just tell. We were, Grump and I were in Charlotte. We were in a bar, you know, pre-gaming before the uh, the Panther game. <laughs> we, we, this is really implicating us. I think it was like eleven o'clock in the morning. Well, I mean, it was late. <laughs> but my, my, my point being was we were at a bar. The interview was on, but we had no sound. Mm. We had no idea what, what was being said. We just saw Beckham's face, Lil Wayne next to him, and we just looked at each other like, this can't be good. Yeah. It just li- – the optics just looked bad. You can't tell me that Beckham has handlers saying you shouldn't do this. He just thinks this is my move. And guys like him that are so popular, there are – it's almost like Trump. Whatever he says, there's going to be a certain section of the population that loves it. I love that he hangs out with Little Wayne. I love that he says what's on his mind. I love that he does not gonna, he's not going to be unrepentant for what he says. But there's also a lot of people that don't like it. And he thinks as long as the people that love him, he's going to keep doing these things. Well, yeah, um, and and like I said, if if this team wins, that interview probably doesn't even happen. I mean, if if this team gets off to a big start, that interview maybe it happens, but that's not the they're not asking the questions that lead to the bad publicity. Well, yeah, you're right. It doesn't doesn't you know lead him to put his foot in his mouth, which he does voluntarily do. But you know. This bad publicity thing, it really only stems from losing. It's like the yeah. stench of losing, and you can't shake it. Right. The, the only way to get rid of it is to win. And you're right, because you're right. All, every, everything that gets him in trouble is every time something bad happens with the team. Yeah. It's when they're losing. You know, yeah. the the uh, with the exception of the Norman thing, that kind of just started. I mean, well, I mean, that team that, was bad. I, I don't know really how they were even hanging in that game, but. Right. But every other thing, like with, you know, Punching nets and headbutting yeah. and saying things and leaving locker room for locker rooms early and all these different things. It's always a result of not even him playing poorly. The team. It's the team losing. So yeah. if you want to boil it down to, well, he's just a sore loser. Maybe. Is because that the, yeah? Sure. Is that is is that as bad as he's not getting his or he's not the focal point? I will say something though, Grump. I brought. I said this early after the draft. I wonder what happens if Barkley becomes the man. How he will handle it, and I, I think that's still a to be determined. Yeah, I, I I think that's a caveat there. It really depends on winning. If Barkley is the man and the Giants are losing, he's not going to take well to it. If Barkley is the man and the Giants are winning, I don't even think that's a possibility because I think a lot of what it shapes out to be might be like the duo. You know what I mean? Even if if Beckham is not the same force as he was, if he gets one touchdown every other game and Barkley gets a touchdown every game, it still becomes, from the media perspective, the Beckham and Barkley duo. What do you think drives Beckham more personally? Touchdowns or targets slash catches? Mm. Or highlights. uh, 
Or highlights. Yeah. Because I think it might just times, be highlights. I think if he because, makes people look silly, he's happy. Yeah, because several times you have referenced things like, well, if he scores every play, he'll or if, once a game, or really, and it's not the first time you said that. I don't think that's the single. You know, I think you know. The guy practices and he makes sure that the media sees him doing the one-handed catches during practice. You know, he puts on a show for doing that. I think you know that's part of his image is the flash. I think that's more important. Than actually scoring. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, but ultimately, it's winning. I don't think he can, if he gets twenty-five catches for three touchdowns and two hundred and fifty yards, and the Giants get blown out for whatever reason. I don't think he cares. Uh, he's not happy with that. He's still gonna go up into the podium and be like, "Yeah, hey, well, you know, I don't know what we're doing here." And you know what, what are I mean? you doing? What do you do after the Jacksonville game? Because he had like thirteen. He had a lot of targets, I right? I honestly don't remember. Yeah. Yeah, and he played pretty well in that game, if I remember right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember. He had Barkley like 110 had yards, I think. Yeah. But he had, he had a lot as well. I, I Ultimately, I think his number one drive is winning. His number two drive is his personal performance, which does not necessarily mean scores. It just means his performance on the field. If he mm. gets, you know targeted three times and makes all three catches and he goes for 90 yards on all three, I think he's happy, even if he doesn't score on any of them. But Do you think... He, I he mean, doesn't take but, well to losing is really the biggest thing. And I have to think that the Maras, Gettleman, everybody down the line, they knew what they were getting when they signed this long-term extension for the big money. This is nothing all of a sudden... You know, a new personality quirk that's come out of nowhere. I mean, this is Beckham's fourth year? Fifth year. His fifth year. So four of those years have been bad. He knew what he was signing up for by staying here, too. You know, that this is going to be take a while for for a uh, a turnaround as well. I, I don't know. I, don't, I, I think it's just going to have to deal with the noise. He's not going anywhere this year. He's not going anywhere next year. And if this team isn't better in 2020, maybe they do cut their losses and try to, to trade him or something. But just take it out of your mind now. They're not getting rid of him no matter what kind of noise he puts up. And right now it's really just noise. Yep. <laughs> it's been exhausting watching this fucking team. Um, they are getting a bunch of players from injury. Most notably, Ingram and Ellison are were full participants. I mean, I could talk at length at how much that really hurt against the Eagles. I mean, I don't think it would have made a score outcome difference, but it certainly didn't help not having your first two tight ends and having, you know, a last-minute roster bubble guy and someone elevated from practice squad as your two starting tight ends. And especially since Cody Latimer is now on injured reserve, mm-hmm. the available weapons to Eli had gone down to, you know, not quite the, you know, horrific proportions of last year. But, you know, if you are so quick to say that Eli is finished, you know, look at all of the factors. We're not saying he's not done, but that's something to consider. Yeah, um, and and a lot of what Pat Shermer designs is using two tight end sets. It's really difficult to use two tight ends when. They really probably shouldn't be on NFL, maybe not 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 on NFL rosters, but should not be starters. No, um, I mean if if and we that, went into the season with these two guys at starting tight end, we would be talking about how badly the Giants need to take a tight end in the draft. 
we would be talking we would be talking about how the 11 offense would be run 98% of the time too sure yeah and and that's kind of what happened a little bit last week um Olivier Vernon, Sterling Shepard and Nate Solder were all limited in practice. Uh Pat Shermer said that they're dings, you know, just precautionary. They should be good to go. Um Solder and Shepard with neck issues, Vernon with ribs. I mm. Ouch. Yeah. But for the first time in in a while, the Giants injury report looks pretty clean. Uh, the biggest hit is probably Cody Latimer uh was just recently put on there. You, you know, Biggest hit, I mean, is it really the end of the world? No, but it was just another one of those things where he was a different kind of weapon for Eli to distribute the ball to, to take some focus away from Odell Beckham. Um, The Giants recently signed former first-round pick out of Baylor, Corey Coleman, who went to the Browns and early this year demanded a trade where he wound up with the Buffalo Bills, unfortunately for him. Yeah, one of the fun uh, one of the fun plots of Hard Knocks this year when he went in and he just cut right away, pretty much. Yeah, I don't, don't think it, I don't think it was on Hard Knocks long enough to be a plot. I mean, uh, he had about thirty seconds of airtime. Yeah, he walked into the office and said, "I, you know, I guess you'd be traded or something." And <laughs> goodbye. Yeah, um, which blows my mind. I I remember watching his tape coming out of college and thinking that. You know, maybe he wouldn't be a superstar, but I thought he would be maybe just a little bit below a guy like T.Y. Hilton, you know, that middle-of-the-pack top 20 wide receivers in the league. And, you know, maybe it's because he played with the Browns and then he went to Buffalo where they really have no idea what they're doing at quarterback right now. You know, Maybe it hasn't emerged yet, but it rubs me a little bit the long, wrong way that he can't seem to stick Yeah. Um, on two teams that desperately need some talent. Right, right. Well, again, we're not asking them to come in and be the one receiver. We're asking, we basically need a body who can play. And again, there's no, there's no wide receiver tree out there. Where you can just shake and get somebody good. So true. You have to, you have to be creative when you have very, very, very limited cap money to do anything. Regardless, it doesn't matter. He will not be active this week as he was only signed to the practice squad. Um, you know, he he needs some time there probably to get acclimated, learn the playbook, I, maybe maybe even just. He may be even released as the Giants get a closer look at him. They they really only have a workout to work off of before, mm-hmm. you know, making a signing. But, um, but I guess that's where Ingram comes in. Somebody who can stretch the field a little bit down the middle. Uh, I don't know. Shimmer's gonna have to figure it out. Jawil Davis is probably gonna have to figure it out. Maybe he could help Chad Wheeler a little bit of chipping, blocking, maybe. Yeah. As well, just as important. The Atlanta Falcons, on the other hand, have a very, very stacked injury list. Uh, most notably, uh, Devontae Freeman was sent to IR, uh, where he joins two starting safeties, Keanu Neal and Ricardo Allen, both very good safeties in the league. Uh, did not practice this week are some names you might have heard of. Their kicker, Matt Bryant, Mohamed Sanu, wide receiver, Calvin Ridley, wide receiver. Um, limited practice, Garrett. Uh, Grady Jarrett, um, uh, Justin Bethel, and Derek Shelby. You know, that's uh, – I would be concerned if I were a Falcon fan. <laughs> I would say so. I mean, I, I caught probably the final seven or eight minutes of that uh, that um, Falcons-Bucks game last Sunday since we had the bye week. We could just kind of actually watch other teams. Uh, 
a lot of open space in that secondary. A lot of a uh, lot, lot of a uh, lot of green pastures. This would yeah. be, you know, this might be one of those games you actually see some guys shaking loose in the secondary for once. Yeah, so I mean, I would say that's one of the keys to the game is test the depth at safety. Uh, they have the the Falcons have been r- lucky in they have a safety by the name of KZ. I forget his first name at this moment, but uh, he's a bit of an. He reminds me a little bit of a more well-rounded Nat Burhey, uh, where he's just kind of flying around and hits the shit out of people, but he's not what you'd probably want as a starting safety, but maybe as like a third. But other than that, the, the the back end, which is normally very strong for a Dan Quinn team, and specifically what we've come to expect from the Atlanta Falcons the last few years, has not been strong this year due to those key injuries with Ricardo Allen is an incredible... I don't know why he's not discussed more, honestly. And Keanu Neal is better than I thought. But the Falcons' defense, I tweeted this out earlier, uh, has given up point totals of 18, 24, 43... 37, 41, and 29. It's the new NFL. (laughs) Well, there's that, but I mean, even the Giants held the the Saints to a low total. Right, right. Well, I think what this team has to do, you know, and I know this is something you've been harping on for most of the season. I've been kind of, I've been charting it the last couple of weeks. It's that commitment to the run game. Yeah. You know, uh, as of this week, we are now tied for third for rushing yards per attempt and we are 26 in attempts that's ridiculous well that's it's, it's ridiculous for me where you know again I, I always I have two mirrors when I'm watching football I watch the Giants and I watch my Florida Gators and similar problems with offense when the season started the strength of their team is the running game also and they continue to commit to the running game they're not putting their team in a situation where their quarterback has to throw the ball 40 times to win. Even, you know, down in distance, time left in a half for a game, they're still committing to the run with success. Uh, you know, these numbers tell me that, you know, granted that yards per carry may not be as high if they run the ball more than they were, but still the best success this offense is having right now is running the ball. And I, I think – you know, if we want to have any hope ever for you know the, the the passing game to open up, I think we need to exploit it more. Would you say that the reason we're running less is because they want to not wear out Saquon Barkley? Uh, no, because he's getting ten to twelve carries a game as opposed to even if he was around twenty. I don't think that's wearing out a running back. Well, okay, I was going to say, I would say no because he's still on the field for those passing downs. He's on the field, but he's not taking the, the abuse. Well, he's taking, he's taking about 10 to 13 catches per game. Maybe, maybe that's a little uh, high. That, that's a little high. He had that one game he had 13, but he's probably getting about... He's around nine, I think, is, is pretty average for him. Nine catches. Uh, I don't think so. I mean... I don't think so either. I just yeah, wanted to throw it out there. I think you got, you know, you have a horse, you, you know, it's the flip side of the equation that, you know, you didn't want to draft a quarterback, you drafted Saquon Barkley. You better ride Saquon Barkley. He's your man. Yeah. And um and also, you know, we also have Wayne Gallman. Yeah. Have you been you su- know, surprised that we haven't used him as much as you thought? Well, we're just not it, it, it's about 
how much are you going to you know divvy up the carries? If they're not calling running plays, Barkley's going to get the majority of them. If we're only running the ball, you know, 15, 18 times a game, how many is Gallman really going to get? I think, if you, I think if you have an overall commitment to the running game, you'll see Gallman's numbers go up in addition to Barkley, and that's a way you can take a little bit of the load off him too. He's a, you know, he's an NFL running back. He's not just some scrub. Uh, one of the things I noticed, I wanted to watch the Bengals Falcons game because it was in Atlanta, and I think it's probably not going to be an easy place for the Giants to play on Monday night. Um. But the Bengals were able to do some serious work, not only with running the ball, but using quick screens and running back screens. <laughs> so I don't think Giants fans are going to like it very much, but I am expecting a heavy deployment of said screens to A, exploit the weaknesses in the safeties, um, and to slow down the pass rush of Vic Beasley and Tack McKinley. So... That being said, if the Giants plan to use that as a plan of attack, they need to supplement it with some shots down the field and a commitment to the running game, like you said. Yeah. It's not going to work on its own, and it's not going to work. It's not going to work against the Falcons. It's not going to work anyone, really. No, no, no. It's a very easy thing to game plan and very easy to watch the tape and say, here's all you need to do. Uh, You know, The million-dollar question is, can we execute that deep-shot game? Because even a couple of the deep passes that Eli's hit this year have not been hitting receivers in stride or anything. They're kind of like, that was a little underthrown. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like... Or overthrown. We've seen a couple or, of those. Or too. overthrown. That's, yeah, I'm talking about the ones that were completed. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, okay, well, I remember there was one in particular. I think it was to Latimer. And we looked at each other like, you know, if that's a good throw, that's a touchdown. Yeah. So... Um. I'm not as worried. I know I should be probably about the offense performing, but I'm a little bit worried about this Falcons offense and being able to stop them in, you know, in Atlanta on Monday night. I just, they've been able to rack up points and, you know, this team might be two and four, but even after giving up these point totals that I just rattled off, they're in the game for most of these games. Yeah, they're playing shootouts. I mean, look who they played against. I mean, we make fun of the Bucks, but the Bucks have also, you know, they put had a up ton points. of yardage. They, they put up points. They have a ton of yardage. I know. Even dropping down to uh, to Jameis, they still put a ton of yardage in that game and scored a lot of points. Yeah, and uh, I'm I'm worried about this stellar blocking group for Atlanta. Uh, do I think they're really that good? Not really, but. Have they graded that way? Have they looked that way this year? So far, yeah. I mean, I, I can't argue with results. And, um, and, have, and have we really shown a pass rush or really much of a way to stop the run game our own ourselves? Well, no. Yeah. But, no so. but do you think Olivier Vernon and what you saw from him against Thursday is encouraging based on what we had seen without him? Yeah. Yeah. I would agree Absolutely. with that. I will tell you something that's not encouraging as we are recording this on a Thursday night. I have the... The Arizona-Denver game on, on mute as I'm watching this, and every time I look up, Rosen is getting absolutely crushed. It is. I've. You think our offensive line is bad. This is an embarrassment. There's flags flying everywhere for holds. Von Miller is just feasting. So, whew. I guess speaking of that, one of the matchups I think I'm going to watch is 
um, how they decide to help out Chad Wheeler and Nate Solder against Tack McKinley and Vic Beasley. Vic Beasley has been a little bit hit or miss, I would say. When he's hot, he's hot. When he's down, he's down. I think he might his emotions might get a little too wrapped up in his production. Mm-hmm. Where if he's if he's getting stonewalled, he just disappears from games. But when he's when he's on it, he's you know I mean he's a monster. He was he was good in college. He's good now. Uh, Tack McKinley's a little bit younger, I think. Yeah, yeah, he's younger. Um, but also just a, a fucking animal, really. <laughs> and I'm not really sure where they're going to line up. I'm sure they're going to move around, actually, to find whatever matchup works best for them. But I wouldn't like either Chad Wheeler or Nate Solder to be one-on-one with these guys. I would hope that there's some sort of running back help or double-team help with a tight end or something at at least one side. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm curious what just the whole scene's gonna be there Monday night. Uh, Atlanta's one of those towns where they get jacked up because it's Monday night football. Uh, we don't know if the roof's gonna be open or closed. What impact that will have with noise? Um, if it's closed and the crowd is really into it, even though they're two and two and five or whatever they are, that might be a real problem for this offensive line to hear things and you know mm-hmm. going to silent counts and and false starts and, and things like that. So don't let the record deceive you. You know, this is a game where, you know, it's it's one of those towns where it's an in thing to be at Monday Night Football. And, you know, people still – there's still a honeymoon period with that new stadium, how cool it is. People want to go and, oh, and, sure, and yeah. see it. So, you know. Shit, that's why we're going. <laughs> that's pretty much the only reason we're going at this point. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think it's going to be a difficult atmosphere for the Giants to play in. It may be, like you said, if it's just the in thing to go, that if for some reason the Giants are really doing well, and I say this coming from the guy who went to Denver last year fully expecting to be laughed at in my uniform to at halftime seeing the stadium empty because the Giants were just making them look silly. Uh, it is possible, um, which I think that game was also a Monday night game. No, it was. I'm sorry. That was a Sunday night game. I, I know I couldn't make it. I had work issues, so I, I thought it was a Monday. But yeah, um, but yeah, it, it can happen if it's just the in thing, and this team really is, you know, now looking at a possible two and five instead of two and four. It might start to empty out by halftime, and maybe the noise won't be as much of an issue. But until that happens, I'm going to assume that it's going to be a big problem. Yeah, and and I'm circling this back to you're talking about the offensive line, how they're going to handle the defense. That this kind of feeds right into it, where we've seen in the past this offensive line and this quarterback struggle with loud crowd noises. Yeah, and one of the things that we've both noticed this year is that switching from Kevin Gilbride to Ben McAdoo, one of the biggest things we noticed was the amount of time left on the play clock. Now we've gone from Ben McAdoo to Pat Shermer. We're seeing that switch happen again where we're getting to the line with only eight seconds left on the play clock. And Yeah, I mean, if, if the cadence is the same every play when it's down to two before yeah. we hike it, you know, and, and Eli has never been one that's been like a super hard counter or getting, you know, people, you know, people to jump that often. It's usually because most of his career is rushing to get people to the line and, you know, doing that quick clapping to get the ball hiked. <laughs> so... Yeah, it's going to be an issue. I I am, like I said, I am worried about this Falcons offense putting up major points. And we've seen that this Giants offense is just not built for quick point scoring. Uh, Offense isn't – 
this offense isn't built for scoring yeah. right now. Actually, that that's actually probably more true. I'll say that. This offense is sort of built for quick scoring because they only have been able to accumulate yardage on big plays, not, you know, scripted, well-executed chunks yeah. of 10 yards, except for against maybe Houston, um, their only win. Uh, they've been really benefited from scoring points off of, you know, 40-yard runs, 40-yard passes, things of that nature. So they a, are a trick, they are built throws, for yeah, yeah. <laughs> they are built for quick scoring, but not lots of scoring. Uh, yeah, they're going to be winning games, scoring probably no more than 24 points. Yeah, and that the yardstick everybody was using was we scored 30 for the first time in whatever it was 20 something games or whatever. So and we lost. <laughs> we lost the game exactly. <laughs> um, so that's what I'm worried about, and I, I think the key there is Atlanta, while they do have a good offensive line that can run block, I think that now without Freeman and just having Tevin Coleman and actually Ito Smith, I think is his name, was their mm-hmm. newest running back, has actually looked pretty pretty good, but they just haven't committed to it and they haven't done it well. The key really has to be whether Ridley, Sanu, or both play or don't play it's got to be getting to Matt Ryan early because he's so good at scoring points quickly. If he, if by the end of the game the Giants have a lead but they haven't gotten to him, he's not going to be dropping his eyes if they do get a rush. He's going to be looking downfield. So they need to get him to get to him very early. So should they have a lead at the end of the game, he's looking down instead of downfield uh, and not able to to score points in a hurry or or let's say more accurately to the Giants' recent history, get into field goal range for a game-winning field goal? Well, here's one of my keys to the game. is It's time for Janoris Jenkins to become a man and step up. I think we're starting to see that kind of lax effort that we saw last year when the going got tough. And I think we saw that last week against Philly. Um, I think I saw a stat, it might have been Pat Trainer might have had it, that he has the highest um, QBR passing rating against him as a cornerback than anybody else in the league wow. right now. Yeah. So that's a major, major problem. And we've seen in the past with him that his effort level rises and falls based on how well his team is doing and how well he's doing. So this is going to be one of those games you're facing, you know, where'd you put Matt Ryan in your pantheon top? 10 quarterback, top 15, top 12. If he's there. not in the top 10, then he's number 11 or 12. Okay, so you're facing a, if not a elite quarterback, a very good quarterback. Fast track at home. Well, I'm not even worried about Matt Ryan for uh, Janoris Jenkins. It's Julio Jones. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, of course, but, you know, with a good quarterback to deliver to Julio Jones, too. Yeah. I mean, this might be one of those things where he's going to be locked on him. He could be embarrassed, you know. So if he doesn't bring his A game, his A, his A head to the game, and we're starting to see that slippery slope. Um, predictions. I'm gonna put this as a loss in ten. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I don't remember what we did back in our midsummer, you know, early look, but uh, nothing on this team is telling me right now that they are winners, and. Not having Freeman go against them is a help, but until this team can do the fundamentals properly, I just can't see them going on the road against anybody and winning. So I'll put this as a, a loss in pen, and I think 
I'm worried about that Janoris Jenkins Julio Jones matchup. I'm worried if we fall behind early, this could get ugly really quickly. Uh, I'll put this at a 35-17 loss. Interesting. So when we did our season preview way back in the offseason, you had this as a win in pencil. I had this as a loss in pen. Um, I, had I, much, I had a much rosier outlook during the summer <clears throat> than I do right now. Yeah, that's that's for damn sure. Um, yeah. I agree with pretty much everything you said. I I think I think any game, if the Giants get behind early, this could get ugly really quickly. But it doubles for for primetime games, and it triples for away games <laughs> that are primetime games. So this this could be a real fucking disaster really quick. Um, I'm worried about us being able to deal with the Falcons offense and just having to put up points. I think even if the Giants are moving the ball, they're not built to score such amount of points and you know, just just keep up with an offensive juggernaut like that. And I think that because Steve Sarkeesian is inept, Atlanta <laughs> may get out really get up early and uh take their foot off the gas a little bit but still there's just no hope for coming back and i think atlanta wins something closer to 31 20 oh my god this poor rosen another sack another fumble Sorry. I, i'm just i'm just going to say this one of my biggest things for the giants not taking rosen because i thought he was the best quarterback in this draft was I, I I hope we don't take him because we can't protect the dude and he's already got a bad injury history. I'm worried that he's going to get a concussion and we'll have sunk a draft pick into him. The yeah, only but, team that might have a worse offensive line than us might be the Arizona Cardinals. This is embarrassing. I mean, I Von Miller is basically living in that backfield almost every play. That said, what's whip around the league really quickly? Yeah, let's uh, do it. Philadelphia and Carolina. What is Philadelphia? Are they a good team, or are they a uh, a team that's going to struggle against teams like go when they go on the road to Carolina? They are a decent team. I don't think that they're they're a playoff team that are really going to have to rely on going on a run, and they're going to have to rely on health. I think that run's going to start this week. Yeah, uh, that Carolina team had no business, you know, beating us. And that's saying something. <laughs> yeah. uh, that game's in Carolina. Um, I think Philly's going to win. I, I say something a little higher score than, uh, let's say, 32-27. I, I think Philadelphia wins too. I think maybe maybe I don't totally agree with you that they're going to start a run or anything like that, but... Philadelphia's strengths play directly into Carolina's weaknesses. I mean, the pass rush, Carolina had trouble dealing with our pass rush. I mean, that's... I, mm. I think I think Philadelphia wins by more than what you said. Yeah. Um, okay. Washington and Dallas. Ugh. <laughs> Dallas, uh, Dallas looked pretty good against uh, Jacksonville last week. Did you catch any of that game? I didn't catch any of it, no, but I, I just saw some highlights. Yeah, um, you know, I think Dallas might be a little – before the beginning of the season, I thought Dallas was going to be terrible. I think there's just one of those teams that falls into that. On any given week, they can look really good or look really bad. I mean, the Giants, unfortunately, aren't even in that group. 
Mm. They're, they're going to be in the – well, they always look pretty bad. But I think Dallas might have graduated up to that. Nothing would surprise me if they win or nothing surprised me if they lose. I don't think Dallas is ready to consistently win on the road just yet. I will say Washington wins a low-scoring 17-10 game. I think Washington wins. I think it's like you said. It's it's. I don't know that it's necessarily low scoring, but it's ugly. It's a messy game. Mistakes, missed tackles, shit like that. Bad blocking assignments. Um, not that I think Washington is all that good. I just think that division games are really weird. They're hard to predict. Um, My opinion of Dallas hasn't really changed much after blowing out Jacksonville. That's nothing against Jacksonville, or you know, it's just I just think they're a poorly coached team, and just because they won. A one impressive win against a, a better than average team doesn't make me change my opinion on Jason Garrett or, you know, what they're trying to do. Yeah, yeah they still have I, no playmakers. I, I think, yeah, for sure. Uh, I think Washington wins an ugly game. I don't know if it's high scoring or low scoring, but it just it's one of those ones that you look at the highlights and you're like, oh my god, you know, one of those with some guys streaking wide open or just you know seven missed tackles. It's one of those like. Gee, I wish those two teams were in our division. Oh, they are, but oh, we still we still suck. <laughs> yeah, thanks so. for the thanks for the death. yeah. Hurts. All right, everyone. Uh, we will be live in Atlanta Monday night, so there will not be much tweeting throughout the game. But afterwards, we'll have a lot to say. Next week's game review will be a little bit late. Uh, will probably be Wednesday morning. Well, we'll see. We'll see how we feel after the game. If we yeah. uh, we'll if have we- our. We'll bring the mobile studio with us, and if we'll, you know, if we feel like this is, uh, it's a night game, so it's like we did it in Charlotte. It was a, you know, we had time to go back and collect ourselves. We'll mm-hmm. see. Uh, you know, our flights are not till nine thirty on Tuesday morning, so we could stay up a little later and do it. Yeah, we'll it, see. it just depends if we hit the celebratory booze after, or if we hit the depression booze after. <laughs> or just, I just want to go to fucking bed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I guess it also depends on how early we leave the game, but. Good point. <laughs> um, but nevertheless, there will be a review episode next week, whether it's Tuesday or Wednesday morning remains to be seen. I guess that much will be announced probably Monday night. Um, but until then, we'll be down there. Root for us. Go Giants. Go Giants. Go Giants.